Welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 248, 248. I'm Tom Maluli, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Brendan Maluli. I'm happy to be here. That is your uh, your line. I'm stealing it, and now everybody knows your secret. <laughs> so, if you ever ask me, "How you doing?" I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, that's an old line from Rocky Allen when he was on PLJ. That's where that came from. The most sarcastic DJ ever. <laughs> so, well, it changes things up better than saying. Uh, Hey, I'm good, fine. How are you? Good. How are you? Kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. uh, we have an interesting post to talk about this week. Uh, going to give credit where it's due. Our friend Ashby Daniel, friend of the firm. Yeah, he um, on his retirement field guide blog kind of parsed through the most recent J.P. Morgan uh, guide to the market. He he broke it down into information that specifically retains to retirees because. Ashby's firm and his niche is really working with people uh, right on the cusp of retirement and and you know through that phase of their life. He did he did the heavy lifting here in terms of uh, breaking down some of these charts and uh, giving us things to talk about. So we want to talk about them too. Obviously, he Ashby had some uh, pretty good information to share in there as well. The the first chart that he uh, shared was probably one of the best ones about life expectancy probabilities. And again, you know, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time, but it's a probability. It's an average. Yeah. But when people talk about averages, I think in regard to uh, life expectancy, it's almost always to say, well, that doesn't, that doesn't matter for me. It's, right. it's just an average. I'm just to use one of these numbers that gets thrown around quite often in financial planning, but uh, for a couple Joint life expectancy, you know, r- right now, if you're 65 today, uh, joint life expectancy, the odds of one of you reaching 90 years old is basically 50-50. I'm using the pregnant pause there because <laughs> that is, please hit rewind and the last 15 seconds and hear that again. Right. But to your point about them being averages, that means there are people, I suppose, who live far past 90 sure. uh, when, when you're taking into account two lives, obviously, here. Right. But- it means plenty of people, you know, die before then too. And and for whatever reason, everybody seems to think that they are in the camp of not not going to see ninety. And I have so bad they, genes, and uh, my parents died in their sixties. So sure. there and there are certainly reasons for life expectancies taking into account things like family histories and your own current health. But if we're just playing the numbers game, I don't think that it is foolish at all to project financial planning uh, recommendations as if somebody is going to live in th- into their 90s because like what if they do and then you didn't plan for that right. it what's would, the alternative it would be reckless if we didn't mm-hmm. project for that far ahead i think there's still a lot of people who kind of subscribe to that mickey mantle story where he lived a hard drinking life because he believed that his you know his father died at a young age and he was going to go the same route I wonder, like, and this is far outside of our realm, but I wonder if, if like, that kind of mentality almost becomes, like, a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's uh, like if you believe that you're going to die by the time you're 70, you lead such a life that maybe makes that more likely than just genetics do. Yeah. You're, maybe you're taking more risks without even considering yeah. any other potential outcome. Although, anecdotally... You, you do always seem to read these stories every once in a while about uh, the 95-year-old woman who drinks a bottle, a bottle of wine every day or something, yeah. and that's like the recipe to her success, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but 
Yeah, this this is these are some really interesting numbers just to see. I mean, the the odds of uh, you know one one uh, spouse reaching eighty five is seventy five percent. Yeah, odds eighty years old, ninety percent odds. So like you know you need to really plan for this longevity when you're thinking about things like uh, your investments and the kind of income that they're going to need to throw off and for how long. Yeah, and that really drives a lot of uh, discussion in terms of. How, how portfolios can be allocated at the onset of a retirement plan that may mean somebody is, you know, right around 65 years old today as these averages are. We've got to look 30 to, years ahead. Yeah. And that's not to say you cannot course correct. In fact, I think it would be a mistake to say that you're not going to, you know, as time goes on, the circumstances change, you know, you've used X amount of your assets. Here's what's remaining. Health has maybe changed. Like you can change these projections, but for somebody who's 65 today uh, and has a married spouse similar in age, yeah, I think the financial plan should be projected out into, into the 90s. And uh, there's, there's a lot of things to address because of that. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. So that kind of leads to Ashby's second point, his second slide, where older Americans are working longer. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are now starting to say, well... Uh, I guess I'm going to be working into my 70s. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, maybe you reach that that phase of your life where um, you'd like to retire, but considering all your income sources, Social Security, pension, what investments are able to throw off, maybe it's not going to fully support uh, your lifestyle. Or conversely, maybe it does and you just retire for a while and realize that like you would still enjoy having something to do every day. Yeah. There's sadly a lot of stories of people, people we know, who worked their butts off their entire career, decided that they were going to fully retire, went home, sat on their butt, died. Yeah. It happens. Or people retire, sit on their butts, and then say, like, eh, this isn't for me. Yeah. I, I still need something to do every day. And so the the slide from uh, the JP Morgan uh, guide to the markets that Ashby shared also broke down first broke down the percentage of people in the civilian labor force by uh, age groups and so the cohort of uh, it starts at you know 65 to 69 goes in those bands so 65 to 69 70 to 74 75 to 79 so people between 65 and 80 the retirement years where you you know hopefully are still able to get around and do things this percentage of people still in the labor force at these ages has risen. Uh, across the board in all of these cohorts throughout the last two decades now. Yeah. So uh, it's risen even for the oldest. 75 to 79 was just 7% in 1996 were in the labor force, and now 12%. Right. Uh, I mean, not, it's almost a double. Yeah. I mean, and, and so that's, let's just ballpark, like one in 10 people, 75 to 79, are still working in some capacity, even though they're retired. You know what I thought was the best part of that chart was underneath it, they had major reasons why people work 
in retirement. This and was they, really great. They yeah. broke it down into wants and needs. And so, of course, needs, hey, I want to buy something extra. I want to make ends meet. I've got a decline in my investments because they're not working with Maluli Asset Management, um, you know, or keep their benefits or something like that. But the wants, the I mean, this was fantastic to see these kind of responses. Uh, nearly two thirds of the people responding said they just want to stay active. They want to stay involved in mm-hmm. a community. Uh, that they half of the people responded said they they enjoy working. Yeah, keeping themselves busy. Good and and encouraging answers, showing that hopefully. In, in many cases, or odds are pretty good that if somebody is working and they're older, uh, you don't need to be like, wow, I feel bad. They're working and they're really old. It's probably because they want to be there. They want to be there right? so for a lot of them. For some people, it was about 19% say they're they're doing it to make ends meet still. Right. Uh, and I would, I would lump in that buy extras as like probably just making ends meet in disguise too. And that was about one in three. But I, I don't know if you caught the quarterly earnings report from Walmart about two weeks ago. They're eliminating the greeter position. Oh man, that's going to, is that going to... Dramatic. They put they, a lot of these, these projected people back these on the street. Out. So they extrapolated these numbers, I guess, based on demographics and yeah. trends to, uh, to to show projections for 2026 in terms of the percentages. And uh, I don't know. Uh, they might want to yeah. pare back those numbers we'll a little bit. Back uh, yeah. a bit. But they also then talked about how not everybody can keep working yeah that's i think a, that's a problem i think that it's probably risky to assume i don't know i don't know what alternatives you have so maybe take this factoid with a grain of salt but it's not it's probably not wise to bank on being able to work in your older years that was my takeaway from this slide yeah that people some people may want to work mm-hmm. but then they get sick yeah. Things happen. They get disabled. They can't work anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, or there's a situation at home and they've got to care for a spouse or family member, grandchild, who knows. Yeah. But nearly half of the people who said that they couldn't work anymore was for health-related reasons. I like this stat too. It said uh, expectations of workers versus uh, retirees. So the percentage of people that they surveyed that expected to retire at age 65 or older was uh, about 70%, 69% said that they They're were going to work until yeah. later than 65 years old, which seems right. like a lot of people's plans these days. Right. Uh, it, you know, Work until mid, mid-60s mid seems like a target area for a lot of people now. Maybe that is because it coincides with collecting your uh, full Social Security benefit in most cases. But the experience of actual retirees said that just 31% actually ended up working until 65 years old. Now, I have to believe that the difference between 70% of people who said that they planned on working to 65 or beyond and the reality of only less than a third, right. 31% of them getting there, health problems, caring for a, a family member, uh, one of the reasons that they gave outdated skills. or or and, and I think this goes together with another one that they mentioned, which is just changes at the company, downsizing. Yeah. Com- your job's we, being eliminated. And we hear this. Uh, from people all the time. It happens. It's reality. I think this this just speaks to the idea of like returning to your financial plan because big things like this change over the course of just a year. Yeah. You know, your job could become obsolete uh, for whatever reason. It's not going to be there, or you're not capable of doing it anymore. And so, going through these these uh, hypotheticals, I think, and saying, "All right, so what what if this happens? Would would we be okay?" We're thinking, you know, our, our plan A is that we want to work until we're 65 yeah. years old or 66. 
well, we're only 60. What happens if at 62 we uh, don't have the ability to do this anymore? What would we have to do? Like, could we live off our investments for a couple of years and get some new skills to reenter the workforce? Could we work part time? Could we take a downside? Like, could we take a, a lesser role and just work uh, part time hours and live off of our investments? Like, what are what are the options here in the event that this happens? Because you don't unfortunately have control over a lot of these reasons cited for retiring right. earlier than expected. Yeah. If you had control, then you would just do what you wanted to, which was work a little longer. So when I was 23, 24 years old, I would make easily 200 dials a day. <laughs> that is now obsolete. Yeah. I can't do my job anymore. Can I collect like some kind of social disability for that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Smile and dial is uh, yeah, that's a, of the past. Huh? Yeah, a lot of good charts in here. Uh, some of the things that uh, that really got my attention: income replacement needs in retirement. Hmm. This was really important. We spend a lot of time talking about this with folks. Yeah, about how are we going to actually now move forward without a paycheck in right. retirement. The way that we start with this, and I think uh, Ashby had some thoughts on this too that I thought were pretty good, but we want to get a, a reading when somebody comes into us on how cash flows exist now, and that oftentimes is with their job. Right. And so what's happening now? But that's not to say we're going to take uh, your gross or net income numbers and just, you know, that's the assumption we move forward with that you'll need in retirement. I don't think we want to discount it too much. Like there are rules of thumb, like, oh, you'll need three quarters of your income in retirement or 60% or whatever it is, I like to do it step-by-step step more and look at these cash flows, put them into a spreadsheet and say, all right, well, like which ones of these are obviously coming off the table? Like what things do you not do anymore when you are not working and you're retired? Right. You're not, you're not sending money into your 401k anymore. Right. And so if somebody, hopefully this is one of the best things out there, aside from just the obvious benefits of a high savings rate, the obvious benefit is that you're saving and hopefully compounding money over the years for yourself. But the second benefit of that is if you were saving 20% of your income, you only need 80% right off the bat in retirement to live on because you don't need to save anymore when you're in retirement. Right. You're in a totally different phase. You're not accumulating anymore. Right. Decumulating. So one of the other things that I, I think is important to realize is that when folks do retire, Ashby called it, uh, your normal week is six Saturdays and a Sunday. Yeah, I love that. That's a great <laughs> phrase. Um, and we're probably going to steal that. But the idea is, hey, you know, instead of just going out to dinner on Saturday night, we can go out to dinner four nights a week. Yeah. Your expenses are going to change, but they're going to change in a different way. Yeah. This was uh, a great a great caveat to this the chart that JP Morgan shared kind of like shaved off all right so you're not saving anymore uh change in expenditures was i i think where ashby took a little exception to what they uh ballpark they they said you know shave 8% off of your uh your pre-retirement income to to account for how much less money you're going to spend and i think ashby's point was that maybe over the course of an entire retirement you could say yeah you know what at the at the end of the road, we did we did end up spending less than uh, than we did you know before we were were retired. But that is not linear or and and or it is not applied each and every year in the sense that oh you we're just going to assume eight percent less because in the first couple years of retirement, 
um, Ashby's point was that I totally agree with and you alluded to is I think there's actually a little bit of lifestyle inflation when people retire, at least initially. Sure. There's There may be some traveling. Uh, they're adjusting to this six Saturdays and a Sunday lifestyle where maybe they're going out more. That would be the equivalent of my doctor telling me that I could start eating chocolate again. <laughs> hey, you're doing great. You can start eating chocolate again. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, wow, I can retire now. I can go out to dinner every night of the week. Yeah. So you do it for a while. Yeah. But- even after doing that for a while, it gets tiring. So if you're thinking of uh, retirement expenses, there may be a um, a drop in terms of you're not saving anymore, but some of that drop in terms of the income you still need to live off of may be uh, eaten up. Like let's say you were saving 20%, and now you're, so you're like, all right, I only need 80% of my income. Five or 10% of that, at least in the early years of retirement, if you plan on living it up, may be uh, brought back into the fold sure. because of, doing doing these things or having a little fun. And I think that a, a smart plan should account for that. That should be part of a discussion you're having with your financial advisor because, I mean, you worked your entire career and if you're in a good position, like you can make adjustments along the way and you can project that, you know, ultimately you end up living on some less because you're less money. You're, you're less mobile uh, later on. I mean, yeah. these are all of the counterfactuals like what ifs that you want to be thinking about i think during the planning process makes sense we've had the conversation uh around the kitchen table about maybe we should think about buying a place down in hilton head i mean we've favorite, only been going down there Maluli location oh yeah <laughs> so uh we've only been going down there forever we actually took a trip down there to spend a little time down there but also to look around at mm -hmm. some things some things we could afford some things we can't definitely afford but it hit me <clears throat> on the drive home we all like going down there i like going down there especially we go down to a swanky club and we stay there for a week and we can order drinks and uh, we can go out to dinner every single night and i'm like this is really nice but can you imagine living there and having that style of living every day well it wouldn't it wouldn't be nice anymore because I think it's not that, special anymore. Exactly. And I think that no matter what we're discussing, it's this concept of like the hedonic treadmill that people discuss where like you just constantly adjust to these, uh, and it goes in both ways. I think you constantly adjust in life to things that get better and circumstances that get worse too, but we're constantly adjusting to them. And so for a lot of people, the hedonic treadmill means that they're constantly moving the goalposts on themselves. And yeah. so if that life seems nice now as a vacation for a week it's because it's special and it's coming from a place where that's a step up but if that were the baseline then geez like what what would be your vacation from hilton head oh my and goodness the, and the club there like I, would that be uh what's the next level i don't even I, know i couldn't even think can't imagine you can't imagine now but i'm sure you could after you adjusted to that lifestyle for a year or two you'd be like ah this is normal i uh i can't play at shipyard anymore yeah you know i, I play golf every day we go out to dinner. gonna be at heron point yeah. you know every day man i'd be like 50 pounds heavier too well that's a problem <laughs> for me if i'm 50 pounds heavier than i am yeah so what's your big takeaway from ashby's post I think there's a lot to consider when, when you're thinking about retirement. And I think that good advisors and planners, uh, like I, I hope that we are and that I know uh, Ashby does great work too, that we're discussing these kinds of things and we're using this kind of data to make informed decisions. And it's not to say, 
oh, we're just going to use the average here and say this is exactly what you have to do because the numbers say that it makes sense. But it should at least be the starting point for the discussion. Hey, here's here's what the data shows. Here's why we project you're going to live out into your 90s. Or here's why we can't bank on the fact that you you think you'll be able to work till you're 70. And here's what we should do about that to make sure that you are okay no matter what life is thrown at you. Yeah, I think my big takeaway after looking at these uh, slides that Ashby put together from the report, retirement is squishy. Planning for retirement is really an ongoing process. We meet a lot of people who say, yeah, I met with a financial planner three years ago, and they did a one-off kind of plan. It, it really doesn't work that way. No. It's something that's ongoing, and you need to be in touch with your advisor or planner on a regular basis, at least checking in uh, to let them know what's going on. Things do change. Good message. We thank uh, Ashby Daniels for putting this together. Great post. Yeah. We'll link to it uh, in the show notes. So that's going to wrap up episode 248. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch up with you on the next episode. <laughs>